Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. Hey friends, are you familiar with the most trusted business network for business executives? It's the C-Suite Network. If you're a business of $5 million or greater, and if you're a VP level or higher, then you're invited to join the C-Suite Network to connect with your business peers. Go to c-suitenetwork.com, that's a c-suitenetwork.com, to learn more about the benefits, meetings, and services exclusive for C-Suite executives like you. Okay, let's do the show. It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 484 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record, where I hold in-depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. Now, if you like Accelerate, you can come and spend a lot of time with us and it would really help us out if you subscribe to the show, left us a review. You can do this all with the podcast app on your phone you're using to listen to the podcast. So go ahead, hit pause, subscribe, leave a quick review. We really want to know what we can do to provide even more value for you during this half hour every day. So go ahead, do that. Come right back then. We'll be waiting for you. Joining me at Accelerate today is Evan Carmichael, someone I enjoy speaking to every time we get an opportunity. Actually, Evan is back for a second visit on Accelerate. He's written a new book, one book I really loved. It's titled One Word, The Most Powerful Secret for Creating a Business and Life that Matter. Now, I think this is a book that all salespeople should read, all entrepreneurs should read, and take to heart. So I can't wait to talk to him about it. Evan Carmichael, welcome back to Accelerate. Thanks for having me back, Andy. It's always an honor being with you here on the show. Well, the honor is all mine. So as we were talking about before one of the air, I just finished reading your, your new book called Your One Word. And actually, we can see that they're over your right shoulder. Um, and, you know, I don't usually get real effusive about books, but uh, I'm going to gush about yours. I thought it was an excellent, excellent book. You really did a good job on it. And I just talked to you about uh, today because great lessons for people, not just for, you know, you wrote it ostensibly for entrepreneurs, great lessons on there for everybody in terms of man, their own career, their own lives, sales, marketing people, everybody that listens to this podcast. Cool. I appreciate it. It means, it means a lot coming from you. I know you get, you got a lot of books coming your way, a lot of people pitching <laughs> you, so that, that means a lot to me. I do read a lot of books and I, and I told you it's, yeah, two of my favorite books this year written by uh, Canadians. So uh, yours and uh, The Coaching Habit by Michael Bungay-San, you're also a very excellent book. So tell people what the book is about. Sure. So the book is about finding the one core value that you stand for. I believe everybody has one single core value that is more important than the others. And once you identify what that is, it allows you to live a life and build a business or build a sales career or build your own career that's on 
point and much more with purpose than reacting to other people's agendas for you. Okay. So a lot has been written recently about living life of purpose. I've, I've interviewed many people on the show that run mastermind groups or have books that have written about living a life of purpose. So why is that so popular right now? I think it's a human need. I think once you get your basic needs dealt with of having enough money to eat, you know, to eat and survive, then, then you want to have meaning. People want to have meaning. People want to feel like the work they're doing is important. You know, if you look at happiness and job satisfaction, you know, somebody might take a job just for the salary, but what's going to make them happy? It's not going to be raises. It's going to be feeling like the work that they're doing is important. I think it's a fundamental part of just who we are as people. We want to feel like the things that we're doing is having an impact and is meaningful work. Is that something you think that's evolved and changed over the last you know, 10, 20, 30 years? Uh, I, think, I think it's always been there as a human need. I think we've, we've, uh, we have more opportunities now to be able to do our own thing. There's more models to follow. There's more people to look up to. It's never been easier to be your own boss. It's never been easier to get the results that you want to get. If we look back, you know, 50 years, the world was a different place. I think the need was still there, but the opportunities may not have been there. You have to really be that special character to want to say, I'm going to make my own future. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. It was a lot harder back then. Now it's, it's easier. There's a lot of people doing it even part-time. Uh, and so well, I think... And it's enforced in many cases now, right? As we see the growth of the gig economy, more companies relying more on people outsourcing or outsourcing you know, roles for them, that, that uh, there's more opportunity for people to do their own thing. Yeah, and when the barriers to entry go down, when the costs to ent entry go down, you know, more people come in. I, I, think, right. I think the need has always been there. I think the desire has always been there. It's just easier now for us to be able to do it. So when we talk about one word, you talk about having a word that sort of exemplifies your value. Is this the same as personal branding? It is. I think a lot of people look at it in, in slightly the wrong way. I think a lot of people come from it only from a business point of view. And I did this too at the start when I was going through this process. You have to understand that it comes from you first. What is it that you stand for as a human being? And then how do you bring that to your business? A lot of people just say, what does my business stand for? But it has to start with what do you stand for then you bring to your business because there's so many companies that say they stand for something because mm -hmm. it looks good from a marketing point of view, but then they don't actually stand for it. Like right. when you talk to the salespeople or you talk to the receptionist or you look at the, you know, when you actually work with their products, it's like, I don't get that feeling, right? And so it has to come from an authentic, genuine place. This is where the entrepreneur especially, but also, you know, salespeople, sales professionals can make that personal connection with people so that they can stand out and win. Right. So they really need to, when you talk about your one word, is that, I mean, as I was reading the book, I was thinking, yeah, it's, it's not just if you're a salesperson for a company saying, yeah, I'm, I'm representing the value of that word, let's say, that my company has, but they need their own as well. Absolutely. Because, I, mean, I mean, to make that connection with another human being, to you know, build that relationship, that requires that as well. Absolutely. And, and you'll find that when people are happiest at their work, there's... there's your word doesn't have to be the exact same word as the company, but if it's too far off, you're not going to be happy. Right. Yeah, you're, you you're, working, you're working in the wrong place. A hundred percent. Right. It's not that the company's wrong or you're wrong. You're just in the wrong business. Right, you right. Work if you have immense job dissatisfaction and it's like from coming from a place of values, they value this, you value this. Don't try to fit their mold. Just go somewhere else where you can shine. Right.
And that could be on your own. So, so you wrote this book at a time when you were already successful. So, so what, what changed? I mean, what was the sort of the epiphany that, that you had that said, okay, I need to change what I'm, how I'm positioning this, I guess. So I had sold my first business. I, you know, I had a successful exit. I started my second business. It was building up, having success. And quite honestly, I just, I was getting bored because I felt like I could be doing more. I felt like this was going, you know, we were, it was a money-making machine, but I felt like I could be doing more with my life and with my business. I was searching for more meaning myself. And quite often it's hard to get off that train where you're having success. Right. And say, I'm going to do something different. Well, it's a risk, right? You're, it's risk. you're jeopardizing what you've already established, right? Yeah. And often I think the success of the past can be changed to prevent you from going forward even mm-hmm. further. And so I felt like I wanted to do, I wanted to do something with more meaning in my life, in my business. I thought it was just an issue of a marketing tagline and I needed to change what my business called itself. Right. I didn't have this deeper insight that this is more about me than anything else. And so I experimented with different taglines for the company and through that process really thought about, well, what do I stand for? Before thinking about what my business stands for, what is, what do I stand for? And I didn't have an answer. So I started looking deeper into that. Eventually through a number of different exercises came down to what I stand for is belief. Which I means what? So belief to me means believe. Most people think self-confidence, which it is. Believe in yourself. Sure. But then it also breaks down into believe in what you're doing. So have a passion for the work that you're uh-huh. doing every day. And then believe that it's going to work out and have the conviction to follow through. Huh. And so in the book, I recommend people go through that process of finding their one word. And then those three parts make up your credo. Right. So you have your one word of believe. And then your credo for me becomes self-confidence, passion, and conviction to add a little more definition to everything. Right. And then that's, that really spoke to who I was. If I looked at my past and I looked at the, what I would still value, you know, in 10, 20, 30 years, that really spoke to me. And then I started bringing that to my business. And as I did that, every project that I touched started to really take off and have a lot of success. So I kept running my business exactly as it was. And then I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweak this and mm-hmm. just add a little bit of belief here. And then poof, that took off. And then the same thing, it just kept taking off. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rebrand my whole business and make everything about believe. And as I did that, the project started taking off even greater. The marketing started doing better. My YouTube channel exploded. I attracted team members to my team who loved the mission that we were on, felt the same way. And so it just, everything started aligning a lot better and now with a lot more attention than what was happening before. Right. What'd your customers say? They loved it. Uh, if I look at... Did they see a difference? A hundred percent. They understood. They connected with me at a much deeper level to me and my company, not mm-hmm. just to the product. Like the product serves a need. Great. Right. Awesome. We could love that. But when they connect with me at a deep level or they mm-hmm. connect with the business at a personal level... They, they're curious what next product we come up with, regardless of what it does. Right. Which is where I want every entrepreneur to get to. People are buying from you because of you, you. and then because of whatever need that it will fit. Right. You automatically get the win. You automatically get the buy-in and permission to talk about right. anything that you have coming up because they believe the same thing you believe. Well, this is what's so powerful for not just for entrepreneurs, but for sales professionals as well. Mm-hmm is making this type of connection with your, your buyers. This is, this is where I think 
you know, all the talk that we have about automating sales and artificial intelligence and machine learning and so on, taking over part of the sales process, it's this human-to-human aspect that, that's not going away. And if you can bring to it what you're talking about here, this, this I'm going to use the word belief, but I mean, whatever it is that value you have, then that's not going to be replaced. I mean, that is unique value you're bringing to, to the prospect, to the buyer. It's how you stand out. Yeah. It's how you win. As long as you're dealing with a human being, then you're dealing with emotions and you're dealing with values. Exactly. As long as you're selling to a human being, you're selling to their value system. And if you guys share your values, you have similar values, that's going to be an easy win to really get that sale done. Yes, it still has to work. Yes, it still has to be a good product. But often, sometimes it doesn't even have to. Like, I have Howard Schultz on the wall behind me. He started Starbucks. I hate Starbucks coffee. It's too bitter for me. I can't handle it. Uh, but I love Howard's story so much. And I love what he stands for. I love how he stood up in shareholders meetings right. and everything that Starbucks has done that I will still go to Starbucks because of the mission and what he's doing. Even though I don't like the coffee, just get water. I'll get tea or I'll find something yeah. else. Right. Because I love what Howard did and I've never met Howard and he doesn't know anything about me, but I spend money there, even though I don't like the product or service that they're selling. Right, so that's how powerful when you can form that kind of connection with your audience can be. Well, and you used a word that that salespeople hear a, a variant on, but they don't hear very often. As you talked about values in the plural sense, where salespeople you have customers saying, "Well, what's the value we're delivering?" But you know, it has to be in the context of the values that you hold and that you're representing. Yeah, I think most people sell feature benefit. Yeah, which right. is basically value, right? Starts off, everybody starts off selling feature, and then somewhere along the, the way, you get you know, kicked in the butt, you get some sales trainers say, don't sell feature, sell, sell benefits. benefits. Yes. Right? We're selling the whole, all of that stuff, right? Not the drill, all that stuff. The next level up, and that's how most of the world sells. You sure. Know, 99% of the world sell. It works, but it's not as efficient as it could be, where if you can sell what I call core selling, you're selling based on the values, that's where you really stand out and win. I'll give you an example. I had a guy sure. call in, on my radio show and he was selling landscaping services and he's trying to make a business of it. He's competing with college kids mm-hmm. who will undercut him and sell it like sure. at a third the price because they just want to cut grass and right. that's their thing. He's like, how do I win? How do I beat these guys? I, I want to make this a real you know, profession. I want to bring on a team and, and build a big company. I asked him, why did he start this business? And he was telling me that when he grew up, him and his mom we're always outside gardening. It was her passion. Mm-hmm. She taught him everything about gardening and he wanted to honor her tradition and continue to do that. And the line that got me, maybe it was just a really, really good salesperson. <laughs> but like what he with me on the values was he said, I treat every lawn like it's my mom's lawn. Right. I would hire that guy over a university kid. I would feel like this guy is going to care for my house. Right. And the potential damage that maybe some university kid knocks over something and breaks a lamp or something like I would pay three times as much for this guy to come to my house and cut my grass and do the landscaping versus somebody else. Right. Given me a reason to care. Even if the services are exactly the same, he's given me a reason to care more and to pay a premium for it. I bought into the story. We've connected on the same level. Right. So the challenge is when people cannot tell the difference between you and everybody else, then you've lost and it's going to be competing on price. Price is always an issue. Like if somebody says price doesn't matter, 
they don't know what they're talking about. Price is always a variable. It's right. one of the variables. Right. And it's not always the most important variable. And so if you can connect with somebody on that emotional level, here I am, I'd be willing to pay three times as much to go with this guy versus somebody else because I believe the same thing he believes. Right. And the science is inarguably conclusive that decision-making is driven primarily by emotion, right? We make emotional decisions for logical reasons. We make the emotional decision, we backfill with the rationalizations as to why that was a good decision. Sure. But I mean, the science has been shown. I mean, there was a... Uh, scientist, I think Antonio Damasio, I think his name was in Italy, that did a study, sort of landmark study of this subject, unfortunately, it had some severe brain damage that had damaged the control center for emotions in his brain. Guy couldn't make a single decision. Hmm. Couldn't decide what to eat, what to wear, what, nothing. So even our most fundamental decisions are driven by emotion. So connecting with the values, extremely logical. Yeah, and, and I think it also then becomes a magnet so right. that you will attract people to you mm -hmm. who like that, believe in the same thing. And if you want, you want referrals, you want people to pass their name on, you know, your name on to them. Right. It, it's going to be because they just feel that deep connection to you. So if you're in sales, you have to come up with, and I have felt this for a long time. So you have to let people know what you stand for, what you believe in. And there's this huge resistance among, especially in, larger enterprises, and I, I, I get some of the concerns, is that, look, we don't want our salespeople blogging, you know, we don't want them creating content, but even within those constraints is, you know, when you contact a buyer the first time, first thing they do is they, they look you up on LinkedIn. So what are they going to see about you that says what you believe in and what your values are and what the value is you're going to be able to bring to them? And if it's blank, you're just another, another name. You're, you're vanilla. You're boring. You're vanilla. Right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, some of the ideas I tell people is, yeah, even if you're not going to create content, you can curate content that expresses your values, expresses your opinion. You have to invest that time so you can demonstrate to someone, yeah, I am unique. This is what I stand for. This is what I believe in. This is my philosophy. Other suggestions you have for people in that, that situation? Yeah. I mean, I look at, I look at Toronto Dance Also, It's a company that's in the book. Right. Salsa dancing company, half a million in sales. They are all about family. The one right. word is family. Right. So they're teaching people how to dance salsa. And most people would sell features or benefits, right? You're going to learn the steps and you're going to be able to dance smoothly. And when you go on that trip to Cuba, you'll be able to know what you're doing. Right. But why do people really sign up for a dance class? They're coming for the connection. Right. They want to... They want to either connect with husband and wife, like spend some time together or meet somebody new. And so that's really what the company sells. It's why that company is able to outstrip all the other companies in the industry. And in some cases just combined because they stand for something much more powerful. And so I think it's valuable, not just at a, on a sales level and a company level, but just as a human being to right. know what it is that you stand for. So you can now make more important decisions, but especially from a sales perspective, if you're dealing with people who are looking you up, if, if you look like everybody has a great resume on LinkedIn, everybody has a great profile picture, everybody, right. We're all living the Photoshop version mm -hmm. of ourselves now, right. We all right. look great. The Instagram version, right? right. Whatever. Right. We all look fantastic. We all have this beautiful resume. We're all having fun. Make me feel something. Like make, when I look at your thing, I should feel something. When I look at anything that has to deal with you, I should feel that. 
And in some cases, it's going to be really positive or it may be negative. Well, we have this aversion to being controversial. And then it doesn't have to be controversial. It doesn't have well, to be I like... Mean, well, I mean, controversial, I, I meant even to be thought-provoking. Yeah, what people... is the one word is always positive. Like, okay. it's not my one word is death. <laughs> no, or, 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 right? <laughs> well, well, there probably are some people out there that, that belongs to, but yeah. I, well, you know what? I've gone through this exercise many times. I haven't found somebody deep down that may be there, like what they're putting off, but like deep down, they still have, I believe people are fundamentally good. Yes. There's a piece of good in everybody that maybe they're not expressing, right. but it's there. And by sharing that, you'll attract people who believe in the exact same thing as you. Now, some people... As an example, let's talk about hiring. Let's building a sales team, bringing right. people on board who are part of what you're doing. When I hire somebody, I always lead with the value first. So I'm looking for a salesperson who believes in entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll lead with the mission mm-hmm. what trying to do and what believe means. Some people will look at that and say, that's kind of that's kind of silly, man. Yeah, what's the commission plan? You know what I believe? I believe in my commission check. That's right. what I believe, right? Perfect. Don't apply. Like, right. we're not going to work well together. And there'll be other people who look at that and say, that is what I want to do. And so it is being a little bit, not controversial, but saying, here's what I, here's what I believe in. And, right. and some people will be naturally attracted to that and some people won't be. But who am I going to work better with? Who's going to then pass on business to me? Who's going to excel in my organization? It's going right. to be people who believe the same things. And there's no one right belief. It's not like, my word is better than your word is better than Susie's or anybody else's, but we want to be around like-minded people and build a team of like-minded people. We can all have different skill sets, different expertise, which is great, but the biggest fights and the biggest disharmony comes when you have a values difference. Right. So, so either pretend and play the vanilla game always, and then never really get to know anybody in a meaningful way. And if that happens, you're not going to get the big sales. You're not going to get champions and organizations fighting for you. You're not going to get referrals happening because you're boring and vanilla and safe, or you can stand up for what you believe in, let that be known and attract the people who are good fits for you. Yeah. Well, I think that's what I, and controversial is clearly the wrong word, but I mean, it's, it's people are afraid to exclude opportunity, right? So by taking a stand and saying that you'll stand for something, what you're saying is that, yeah, not everybody is a fit for this. And that's, that's really hard for a lot of entrepreneurs, really hard for a lot of salespeople to sort of say, yeah, I'm excluding, purposely excluding opportunities that at the end of the day won't be opportunities because you're not going to be aligned with them. Yeah, you're, what you're doing is cutting out the low-level opportunities and increasing the high-level opportunities. Yeah, if you want to work with a company long-term, you want to make a sale and have that last and be a relationship that goes on 10 years and you get all their business and you get all the referrals and they love you, it's only going to happen when you have similar values. If you're pretending to be somebody you aren't, they'll see through you and you're going to, you may get the first sale, but you're not going to get the second sale. You're not going to get the word of mouth. Exactly. Exactly. So you use a, a story in the book about, uh, <laughs> I was afraid to use the word, the fat kid. Uh, so tell us about that. That was a really interesting story. So this, this is ad that Nike put out that I loved. I think it's their best ad ever. Uh, usually when you think of a Nike ad, you see Michael Jordan, you see LeBron James, you see these like physical specimens and muscles and dripping and, you know, at the height of their achievement. And they, they put out this one video of this fat kid running down a road. 
and, and he is supposed to be great. He's like, how is this kid great? He doesn't look like Michael Jordan. You know, he's, he's this huge kid trying to run. He just looks like he's breaking a sweat and he's, you know, going to be out of air any moment. But what I loved about it is it takes greatness to start. Yep. And it's greatness in what you see in yourself. Like if this kid looks in the mirror and says, hey, I want to run. I want to, this happens to a lot of people at the beginning of any of their career, right? I want to be the top of my organization, right? I want to be the leading salesperson here. Well, who are you? You're just getting started, kid. You're like, relax, right? So this fat kid looks himself in the mirror and he's like, I want to win an Olympic medal in distance running. And everybody around him is looking at him like, what are you talking about? Like, have you looked at yourself? How are you going to win any kind of race? You can't even get to the driveway. But it's what you see in yourself that matters and getting started. And what you're and doing, doing it exactly. again. Right. And improving and improving and running. If this kid keeps running, he will be great. If you keep doing the thing that you need to do, if you keep working on your sales training, you keep honing your skills, you keep getting better and better, you will win. We're too often in our environment, we got the people telling us that we can't do something or letting us settle or letting us get off or whatever excuses that we have. And I think increasing your own standards becomes really important if you want to live an extraordinary life. Yeah, I mean, you use the word, and again, not necessarily pejoratively in the book, but the word mediocre <laughs> a fair amount. And, but you're not saying people are mediocre. What you're saying is, yeah, they're, they're settling for less than they, they could or less than they need to. I don't think anybody needs to be mediocre. I don't think people are mediocre. I think their attitudes, their mindsets, and their beliefs are mediocre. I think as a result, companies are mediocre because it's a collection of all these people with mediocre thinking coming together. Let's build a mediocre organization. You look at the Fortune 500 list and almost nobody's on it from when they started. Yep. Yep. companies that have built up and become great and then fall back down. Nobody can, can sustain greatness. And we settle for being mediocre. Most companies are boring. Most companies, I mean, we're talking about having a core value and living by it. Look at most companies, every single company, every big company at least has, has core values. Mm-hmm. They have a list. They have a plaque on their wall of like the 12 core values that they have. Right. And I guarantee you, nobody in the company, not even a CEO could list those from heart. Right. And so how are you living? These are supposed to be the things that help you make the tough decisions when it comes to you. This is what we stand for, what we live by. You don't even know what they are. Well, and I think part of the, the problem right there, as you identified, is there's 12 as opposed to one. Complexity is the enemy of execution. Right. And we see that all the time. I mean, for people you talk about, start their careers that aspiring to the top is, yeah, everybody wants to take the big step. Right is and really success is earned like the kid in the the ad is earned one step at a time, one day at a time. Yeah, and and make it easy for yourself. Like when you have the self awareness, it makes it easy for you to identify. Like maybe maybe the fact you're going too slowly is you're at the wrong company because you're trying to fit into a culture that you shouldn't fit in on. Right. You know somebody else will make a plan for you if you don't plan for yourself. Is that your quote or is that somebody else? I don't know. It just came to me. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write that one down. That could I'm, be my I'm, quote next. I'm channeling Andy Paul energy right now. Just coming out. <laughs> All these words of wisdom. Well, so let's talk about that. I mean, you have throughout the book a great assortment of, of quotes, and I, I assume some of those are more meaningful to you than others. So what are some, you know, words of wisdom, some aphorisms, whatever you want to call it, that, that, that you live by? You know, one of the quotes that really meant a lot to me was Ford saying, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. Right. Henry Ford. Yep. 
And that, you know, that's believe, you know, like th- right. even in finding your one word, thinking about what your favorite quotes are will help you. Yeah. One of the quotes that, that you love that are on your desktop, you know, background or screensaver or in your wallet or phone or whatever it is, that's a hint into what really drives you. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a reason why I love that quote, right? Like I'm going to put that up in, in, my, in my son's bathroom so he sees it <laughs> every day when he goes to the bathroom. <laughs> Because I want him to believe in himself as well. Right. And so what I try to do, you know, with books, I, I got, this is a big fight with the publisher. I hate long books that take a long time to read. Yeah, they want big books, yes. And, and chapters that are like 50 pages long, and then I don't, I, I want to stop, and then I'm reading the same page four times, and I don't know what's a good point to stop. So with the book, every, almost every page is a, is a break. And there's a new title and there's a quote at the top of each page. It's designed to be super easy to read. So whether English is a second language or you just want to be able to pour through something really quickly, but also have a lot of good content. I designed it for, for myself, for like mm-hmm. for attention span. Give me the content. Let's go. Let's get into it. And some little hits of inspiration. So I like learning from successful people. You know, I think if people have done something that, that I haven't done, I can learn from them. Mm-hmm. And so sharing stories and sharing quotes that help amplify uh, an argument that helps kind of sink it in a little bit more is something that I, I enjoy for myself. So I brought it to the book and it's been, the format has been one of the, one of the most commented on uh, parts of the book, aside from the content, people really like the structure and the format. So I'm happy with that. Otherwise the publisher would be yelling at me. <laughs> if it didn't work, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it definitely easy to read, easy to consume. So, so getting back to that is, is let's leave people with a couple things they can do to sort of start on the path. To, to developing their one word, you know, simple sure. things that they can take away and, and put to use. Yeah. So it's a long process and we can, sure. you know, I'll, I'll kind of condense it down for, for a podcast version. But I think at the start, it's understanding that this is, this is a forever thing. This is not a 2017 New Year's resolution. This is not like I'm dealing with a difficult situation right now and I just need to get out of it. This is something that you've always been, whether you've recognized it or not, probably mm-hmm. not, as most people don't do this kind of thinking. But it's always been a part of you and it always will be. Right. So in 30 years, you still care about this, if not as much, even more. Mm-hmm. It's still going to be about believe 30 years down the line, probably even more so. Uh, it's the one thing that you want to teach your kids. Like one lesson, you get to say one word to your kids, and that's the only thing you ever get to tell them. What's the word, right? What's the one lesson you want to pass on? Um, and so that is a starting point. A lot of people right. have a hard time jumping out of their immediate situation because of stress and quotas and all of this right. Right. immediacy. Imagine it's a, it's a forever thing. Next, think about all the things that have made you happy. The highest highs you've ever had in your life. What did you love about your parents? You know, what was your favorite movie? Who was your favorite teacher? Out of all the teachers you've ever had in your life, hundreds of teachers, most of them who you've forgotten who they are, there's one or two that stand out. Why? What was special about those two? It wasn't because they taught you science. Because they took the time and energy and care to get to know you and they shared some kind of similar value to you. Mm-hmm. Figure out. Like, for the salespeople, listen, I want you to be that salesperson. Of the thousands of salespeople that have knocked on the doors of your clients, I want you to be their favorite salesperson of all time. So when you figure out those highest highs, that allows you to start figuring out you know, what's the common theme between them. My favorite song, my favorite movie, my best friend, what I loved about him or her, my parents. Write down a couple words for each and you'll start to see common, common threads, your favorite quotes and why, all that. 
some people have a hard time going positive and it's easier to go negative. And so the other option is, if you can't get it from the positive side, go negative. Who are the people you can't stand being around? Mm-hmm. You, just, you just cannot stand being anywhere around. For me, it's, it's haters. People right. tell you you can't do something. Right. It drives me nuts. I can't handle it. <laughs> so like that becomes your anti-worth, your anti-value, and then the opposite will be your value. So if you think about maybe somebody in your family, maybe Aunt Susie, you just can't stand being around. And every Thanksgiving, like, I don't want to go because Aunt Susie's going to be there. It's not that Aunt Susie's a bad person. She just has this thing about her that you just don't want to be. It makes you nauseous. Right. What is that? Those people that you can't stand, the boss that you had that you hate, you know, hopefully your hate list is smaller than your love list. Your love list, yeah. That's your problem otherwise. Yeah, right. (laughs) But figure out the common theme between all the things that you don't like and then condense that down into one word and the opposite will be what you do love. And, and the whole goal and intention here is that all of those good things that have happened to you, those were random occurrences. You know, like that teacher that you got, Mr. Jenkins was a random occurrence. I want all of these things now to be intentional going forward to track more of that into your life and to recognize the negative thing really quickly and push it away from you because you know it's toxic to you. Excellent. Evan, always a pleasure to talk with you. So uh, tell people how they can find out more about you and the book and connect with you. Uh, the book, wherever you buy books, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, wherever you're buying books, you can pick it up. For me, uh, my website, evancarmichael.com or the YouTube channel, just look me up. Wherever social media you're at, I'm probably there and uh, I look uh, forward to there. connecting. Yeah, and I, I second that, evancarmichael.com. It's like every day you've got... Uh, something, some well-known person, what they've achieved, what they value. Great, great content there. So urge people to go check that out. So Evan, again, thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Andy. My pleasure. And friends, thank you for joining us again today. Come back again tomorrow. In the meantime, take a second, please go to iTunes, subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, short review, tell us what you like or what we could do better. We really appreciate the feedback. So I'm your host, Andy Paul. Until tomorrow, good selling everyone. Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales. We're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.